welcome to show some respect. Tom Whitcomb is talking. Have you missed me? It's been a longer break between drinks than normal, but I'm glad to be back. Been, been a, just a, a couple of weeks just out of sorts. Just out of a routine, which I, I have discovered I do not deal well with. I need everything to fall exactly into place or I am an absolute mess. Like right now, the microphone is not where it's meant to be. And I'm, I'm, this, is, this is my version of ad-libbing. <clears throat> this is the closest I get to going off, off spec, off script. Can you, hear, can you hear the microphone adjusting? This is the to- type of raw content you can get listening to, to what I produce as I settle into this very uncomfortable chair. Still coming live from my neighbor's house. Uh, the place that uh, doesn't have any cats living here, but you wouldn't know it based on the smell. There's just a real, <clears throat> there's a real vibe of, uh, maybe cats did live here. And then she realized it wouldn't fill the void. She's got a real cat lady vibe, this woman. She sends emails. She sends emails with French, what's subject lines. What are those called in emails? Not the body, but the other part? Subject lines. French, just salut. Ugh. I'm very wary. There's a. There's just. I'm just. I'm just not quite. Not quite comfortable here. Maybe you're settling in just like me. You're having the same problems. Oh, this is just gonna have to do. It's a pleasure to be here. To be back on the mic. Had a little. Uh, little time in Brizzy. Had a little time in. Uh, Brisbane opening for my good friend Daniel Muggleton. Be sure to go check him out on Instagram at Daniel Muggleton. He's a. A great comedian. A, a bit of a mentor of mine. And the last time I went on tour with him, we were in Adelaide. And, uh, oh, just a really miserable time for me. Don't get me wrong, everything around the gigs were great, but fuck, I bombed. I bombed so badly. I bombed so badly. So we had a gig on Friday night, Saturday night, Sunday night. Is that right? No, no, it was Thursday night, Friday night, Saturday night. Thursday night was Dan's show. Friday night, just a lineup show. Saturday night, a different lineup show. Thursday night, I did badly. As the opener for Dan's show for a good 15 minutes, there was a, a representative of a management, actually the owner of a management company in the audience. Before that, we were talking. We were in, in dialogue about what he could do for my career. After the gig, the answer was nothing. And that's been uh, the sum total of our interaction since then. We've both gone our separate ways. And, and, and no discussion of it. I think we both understand what we saw. I did about 15 to 20 minutes just to, to silence. It's probably, probably not as bad as I remember it, but I remember it bad. I remember it real bad. <clears throat> and it was also one of those nights where I'd opened for Dan a couple of times before, and I'm like, Dan's, Dan's crowd's my crowd. They like my stuff. This is going to go great. Those, the gigs where you go in, with like no doubt in your mind that everything's going to be at the very least fine. And it wasn't. And then Friday night, we had a showcase show. I did pretty well, but so did everyone else. And I've said on this podcast in the, in the past, it, when everyone does well, nobody does well. Unless you can stand out from the crowd, I don't want to hear about it. I only want to do well enough that, that, uh, that, that I may have won the game of comedy that evening. And uh, that was not the case. 
It was it was perfectly fine. And then on Saturday, I went back to terrible. On a night where everyone else did okay, which is the worst place to be. The the worst the well. Or is it worse when everyone does great and you do fine? I mean, obviously, if everyone else does great and you do terrible, but if everyone else does great and you do terrible, then there's there's got to be some explanation. You know, you're just not their thing. It's no it's no one's fault. Like it because obviously, unless everyone else is just so much better than you. But for the most part, if everyone else does great and you do fine, then there's a problem because you you couldn't turn the fine to great. If you everyone else is great and you do bad. Well, you probably never had a chance. When everyone else does fine, and you do terribly, that's on you. Everyone else was like, "This is a bad night. I re- I just got to make it work." And 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 I, and I did not. So, we spent three nights in Adelaide. Two of them sleepless. Just really, really tough stuff. Apparently, one of Dan's fans came to him after his show and said, "We loved your show. It was really great. We're not sure about him." And I wasn't even anywhere to be pointed at. I was in a different room. But everyone knew when this guy said, I'm not sure about him. Everyone knew who him was. Him was me. And it was good of Dan to remind me of that in Brisbane last weekend. But none of that this weekend. None of that this weekend. We Well, none of that last weekend. See, this is you, you missed podcasting for one week and all your words fail you. I'm back to square one. It's like episode three. Uh... It's going to sound like something significant happened in episode three. No, I just I just picked a random number. <clears throat> no, this week this weekend was pretty good. The, this weekend in Brisbane, uh, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, three shows. They all went they all went pretty well. Didn't I, I? I headlined Good Chat Comedy Club in Brisbane. If you're based in Brisbane, uh, first of all, go to Good Chat Comedy Club on a Thursday or Friday night. It's excellent. It's a really really great comedy room. Secondly, I'm going to be coming up doing my show there in September. So. Keep an eye out for that. September 16th, I think, whatever the Thursday is, September 15th, I'm going to be in Brisbane. Please come and say hello. Come and catch the show. Uh, but I headlined that on the Friday night. First ever headline gig. Went great. Was really, really happy with it. And I went straight from there to uh, sit down comedy club up the road. When I arrived, Dan was like, it's weird out there. Just be prepared for it to be weird. And it went fine. I did my five. Saturday night at sit down comedy club. Did ten. Went fine. Sunday night, opened for Dan, did 10, went fine. Afterwards, got in a cab. So this was, this was kind of cool. Um, on Sunday night, so Dan is very good friends with another comedian called Amos Gill, who is uh, great. I'm a big fan of Amos as I've bought tickets to his show. I'm, I'm just, a, a, he's Jim Jeffries, go-to opener, opens for him all around the world. He's a great, great comic. Dan and he are good friends. He was in Brisbane doing his show the same night that Dan was at the Powerhouse Theatre, 700 seats, sold out, and Dan managed to, to pull some strings and get me to open for Amos. So I literally, I, I Dan's show started at 7, Amos' show started at 7.30. I went on stage at Dan's at 7 on the dot. People still sitting in their seats, I just had to get into it. So I, went, I, said, I got on stage, 7 o'clock, there's a clock right in front of the stage, you can see it's 7.00. He's like, do 7 minutes and get out. Pre-book an Uber, pack your bag, be ready to go. So I do, I do my seven minutes, I get it, and it goes, fine. I get out, I get in the Uber, I'm like frantically like texting, I'm on my way, I'm on my way, it's going, checking the map. I get there, pull up, it's a little bit of a walk from the Uber drops you off to the front door of the, the, the powerhouse. I sprint there, someone's at the door waiting for me, you Tom, that's me, all right, keep on, keep coming through, keep coming through. Get to me to the back, 
And they're like, all right, you're five minutes and you're on. 700 people outside. Huge room. There's smoke, big ceilings, like big projection at the back of the room. I'm pumped. I'm so keen. So many people. I'm ready. Usually when you do comedy to that many people, it's amazing how it just feels different. The laughs just hit you different. Doing comedy to 200 people versus to 100 people versus to 50 people, they just... The, the, the elevation in the feeling of the laughter as it hits you is just something else. So I'm, I'm ready. I'm in my suit. I'm looking good. There's smoke out. There's all the people. They're excited to be there. Amos brings me up from backstage, back announces, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome a good friend of mine. It's a lie. Not a good friend. Acquaintance at best. Friend of a friend. Tom Whitcomb. I go out. Went fine. It went fine. I did my job. I did what I was there to do. I still think there's some element of the crowd just being like, hey, who's, who's this guy? Is this, did we buy tickets to the wrong show? Does anyone know who this guy is? Now, don't get me wrong. Experience was awesome. Being backstage, I got to watch Amos' show afterwards, got to hang with Amos a bit. We went back to his hotel room, me, Dan, and him, and uh, we, we watched the Wimbledon final. Uh, the whole night as an experience was awesome. My set, fine. I did fine. Nothing bombed. Didn't blow the roof off the place. People seem to have a good time. I'm still here. I haven't quit. Fine. But I would like to do better. I would like to do better. My experience, my excuse for it not, I was, because I, I was standing on there being like, here, here it comes, Tom. Get ready for this laugh. Get ready. This is going to hit you. It is going to hit you. And it kind of just like waded in. Like a very slow tide. Like, oh. Huh. I may have oversold this to myself. And uh, and the rest is it. You know, don't get me wrong. It had its moments. It was good. It was it was perfectly good. I don't think I gave the impression I didn't belong to be it didn't belong to be there. I didn't say anything like that. All of my sentences were grammatically correct. The 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 Microsoft Word paperclip would not have taken umbrage. With anything that I said on stage, it was all squiggly line free. But uh, I think because it was such a big room, it's such a tall, like the actual the ceiling at the uh, at the powerhouse is is like like ten meters high. It's just straight up. There's no like kind of which I think they say for comedy, you want low ceilings to keep the laughs in. So it went fine. It all went fine. Great experience, had a great time. It went fine. And here I am. So tired. So tired because a, a couple of nights I only had like six hours sleep instead of my usual seven and a half. That's how fragile my well-being is. It only takes one poor night's sleep and the week is off. One poor night's sleep and I'm like, I need to get on some kind of medication. I need, this is, this is not sustainable. What's the number for Lifeline again? Was it 13, 13, 33? No, I think that's the, what is 13, 30, 33? That's one of those, 13, 13, 33, two? Young Jamie, look that up. Jamie, can you look it up for me? 13, 13, 13 is Qantas, uh, if anyone was wondering. It's also not what I said. 13, 13, 33... Differential pinion steel. Hmm. Aussie homelands? What about 13, 13, 32? 
Oh. The Lube Mobile. 13, 13, 32. Lube Mobile Car Service. Well, I think we can all agree that was a good 60 seconds of podcasting that definitely needed to happen. What's 13, 30, 29? No. I'm not going to do that to you. Hey, who watched the Wimbledon final? Isn't Nick Kyrgios? I, the whole time in the lead up to Wimbledon, I was like, I never really liked New, Luke, Luke, Nick Kyrgios very much. wasn't really my thing. Like, I didn't really like the guy. I always thought he was just like a, a little bit of a dick. <clears throat> I thought his whole, like, I don't even care about basketball. I don't even care about tennis. I just want to play basketball. I'm like, oh, my God. Do you or are you just not okay with the fact you're not very good at this? I mean, not he isn't very, you know, what is he, like 49th in the world? What a fucking loser. Seriously. Number 49 in the world. Doesn't even have a coach. Can't even, can't even find a coach that'll take him on. That's how poor he is, uh, this international professional tennis player. <clears throat> Give me a racket and some, and some underlying athletic ability. Watch me get into the top 20, 100%. No, I, that's, that's irony for those playing at home. It always annoyed me that he had this rivalry with Novak Djokovic. He talks shit about Novak Djokovic forever, about everything. And it's like, Nick Kyrgios, this is very easy for you to do because you're never going to have to play him. He never, he's never in tournaments long enough to actually play Djokovic. So we're at the Australian Open, and Kyrgios is talking shit about Djokovic in his third-round exit speech. What are, we, what, are, what are we doing here, B? What are, what are you doing, Nick Kyrgios? Now, in reality, I think he's played Djokovic four times and only lost once. So, you know, do any of these points hold water whatsoever? It would, it would seem, like everything I've said so far, the, the, the answer is no. But watching Nick Kyrgios get mad at his friends and family for not cheering enough, not cheering loud enough, and seemingly blaming them for losing tennis is just the most simp cuck bullshit. I don't know if either of those two terms are relevant to what I'm talking about. It was just so lame. Getting mad at your dad for not cheering you loud enough. At first, they said, they. I, I think someone said that he was getting mad at his dad, telling his dad to leave. That I can get on board with. That I can, that, I, that makes more sense to me. Get out of here, dad. But to to get mad at your dad for not cheering enough, you're a, you're a brat and a dork. Who gets angry at their parents for not cheering loud enough? The whole time I just I disliked Nick Kyrgios. I was like, you know, there's there's always some white person in the corner being like, that's racism. That's why you might not realize it, but it's racism. That's why you, that's why you don't like. And there's a part of me that's like, is that, is that what it is? Is it? It could be. I'm not willing to rule it out. I don't like Bernard Tomic either, but that was before I knew what he looked like. It was just based on that last name. It's not a racist thing. It's a cultural thing. You know, I don't like Eastern Europeans either. I'm assuming that's where Tomic's from. I don't know. <clears throat> Even Pat Rafter, a little bit too ethnically ambiguous for my liking. Give me Leighton Hewitt every day of the week. There's no question about what culture he's representing. The 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 biggest bogan to hold Wimbledon gold. Leighton Hewitt. Yes, please. 
It's a, so it's a, it's a, it's a Saturday afternoon. It's halftime in the Roosters Dragons game. Uh, I don't know whether anyone here listens to rugby league. It's a very weird cross section that I have of fans. It's between uh, some fans that I have, some people I went to school with, and my mum. And uh, fans that I have don't know could be league fans. People I went to school with, not diehard Union boys. Uh, because I, if you haven't picked this up based on um, the general sense entitlement I have. For everything. I went to a private school. <clears throat> private school, all boys. Uh, which explains uh, my complex relationship with women and my father. And third group, my mum, not a big sports girl. Doesn't get it. Not her thing. But she does love getting called out on the podcast, which is embarrassing. For me, not for her. It makes a lot of sense for her. The amount of podcasts I've listened to with my friends taking part, and I'm like, I can't believe I listened to 50 minutes of that and I wasn't mentioned once. How are they not thinking about me all the time? I know I am. Uh, half time in the Roosters game, I, I was I was I was like half setting this up so I could I was like, I'll, I'll jump in at half time. <clears throat> I'm watching it on KO. I'm watching it on someone else's KO account so I can pause it. Big shout out to Lachlan McKenzie for listening. Thank you for giving me your KO details. I've never let them go. It's been three years. Thank you for not changing your password. And if you do change your password, there's a good chance I might ask what it is. Because as far as I tell, I can tell, I'm, I'm not interrupting anyone else's viewing. So uh, I was like, yeah, this, this, this will be great. Roosters are up 12-0 after 20 minutes. I'm like, I'm, this is a fantastic. Perfect Saturday afternoon. I'm going to jump on the microphone, confident, happy, positive, optimistic. It's halftime. It's 14-12 Dragons. I'm furious. I'm, f I'm, I'm just... I'm, I'm yelling obscenities at the TV. I'm calling these grown men pathetic and, and, and wimps, um, despite the fact, you know, I will never forget, I played rugby at university in the States and uh, I didn't really want to play. Like, rugby was never really my sport. I just, I, I shied away from contact. I'm not a physical guy. I, I preferred, you know, I, this true story, I quit playing rugby at school to become captain of the squash team. So I think that gives us a pretty clear idea, at least athletically, where I stand on the masculinity scale. And uh, so I wasn't that keen to play union, wasn't that keen to play, but then all the other international students that I was on exchange with, uh, we all we all decided to play. And I had a good preseason. I had a good preseason. I was feeling confident. I was uh, I was making tackles. I was, I was making good hit-ups. I was like, okay, this might not be too bad. First game of the season, we're kicking off. First play, Kicks off, I'm chasing after the ball, the other guy runs at me, I tackle him, and my first thought is, Ow! Fuck! Oh, this hurts! My shoulder is sore! I mean, it's fine, I'm not injured, nothing happened, it just... Ow! I gotta do this seven more times? I gotta go to seven more games? And I just kind of, you know, pranced around in the backfield for most of the rest of it and tried to avoid the ball as much as possible. Um, but yet, when uh, grown men who would, let's be honest, otherwise be labourers, who not only do not shy away from violence, uh, are drawn towards it, who, uh, if they weren't starting fights on the footy field, would be starting them at a nightclub, either as a bouncer or up against one. When they so much as take a breather after being smashed into the ground by a 125-kilo Tongan. 
you better you better believe, as far as I'm concerned, their manhood gets brought into question. Because that's just not good enough. Get up, you fucking wuss. All right? I didn't work a full week. And by full week, I mean four days because I, I take a, a fifth day off to pursue my artistic hobby. Uh, just looking forward to watching some rugby league. So you could, could nurse this broken rib of yours, okay? What You, you can still run. As far as I can tell, the only thing that a broken rib really does is hurt. All right, it's it's not like your leg's gonna fall off. It's not like you, you you can't feel your fingers anymore. You're just in a bit of pain. What what are we stopping for now? Again, when I played rugby and someone accidentally trod on my hand, uh, I I was I was motioning to the sideline to get me off because uh, I I know that's gonna swell up. Not immediately, but after the game, that's gonna be swollen. That's gonna hurt. And and sure, I could put ice on it. But the ice kind of burns. You know, it's so cold it burns, and I don't want to put myself through that. But also, I'm not getting paid $800,000 a year to do it. You know, I'm not getting away with domestic abuse because of it, the way that a lot of rugby league players seem to. The Roosters have just signed a player called Matt Lodge. Matt Lodge got deregistered from the NRL after uh, chasing a man and then breaking into his apartment in New York City under the influence and also allegedly bashing his girlfriend. And uh, he's just signed a new contract with the Roosters. Now, granted, the domestic violence happened like six years ago. And uh, you better believe I wouldn't have said that last sentence if he weren't playing for the Roosters. Playing for any other team, I'd say, this guy's a fucking animal. What are they doing letting him back in this game? Playing for the Roosters, let's see how he plays. He's not on the field yet. If he is a great second half, I'm going to say, guys, we've all made mistakes. All right? We shouldn't be held to the moral standards that every other rugby league team gets held to. Why would we why would we restrict this young man who has learned from his mistakes and ran for 182 meters? We can't be putting too much pressure on him. What about his mental health? Has anyone stopped to think about how he feels about abusing his girlfriend? It's a moral gray area. And tonight I am off to do one of my least favorite things. Hands down, one of, one of my least favorite activities, which is to attend a party wherein my group of friends is not the majority. I hate that with a... Going to a party where you don't know almost everyone there. I mean, hell, go to a party when you don't like most of the people there. I've got to go to a wedding back half of the year where I'll know a lot of the people, but I just don't like most of them. Even that I'm dreading. The idea of going to a party where literally 85% of the people will be strangers. Just shoot me. I'm, I love my friend whose party it is. I'm very, very fond of him, but I have a feeling I'm going to hate the rest of his friends. It's just a vibe I get. Now, does their ethnicity have something to do with it? I mean, it doesn't have nothing to do with it. Did I leave that hang long enough? It's not even like, it's not, a, don't worry, it's not like a true minority. It's not like he's, he's like Asian or black. He's one of these minorities that, you know, barely scrapes by in the definition of, of, of a, a, a minority. I don't think this is, this is not a marginalized group. I think even, I think even ethnicity is a stretch. This is a culture, all right? And if you can guess which culture it is, write in. I bet you can. If you really stop thinking about it, don't get me wrong, I haven't really given away, but if you really stop thinking, you'll know what I mean. 
this is this is a group of people that in large groups under the influence of alcohol. Oh, it's gonna it's gonna be tough. <clears throat> That's a deep cut for you. Well, sometimes when you you write a podcast, and I, I use the term write very liberally. Sometimes when you say a podcast, sometimes when you turn a microphone on and talk for thirty minutes. You, you, you try not to think about how it's coming across. And, and in my mind, I'm like, huh. Let's say someone just took that audio clip and put it on the internet. How does that go down? Probably not great. But uh, look, this is, this, is, this is a trusted group, all right? This is, a, this is the inner circle of the Show Some Respect, Tom Whitcomb is talking listenership. I'm going to trust you not to misrepresent me in saying that. I'm not looking forward to this party at all. If Here's the thing. It's like... I'm going to have a group of people there who are my close friends and I'm going to cling on to them for dear life. And if they so much as consider mingling, I will be furious. If you go to a party and you are part of a minority group within that party, you are wed to that group. There is, there is no excuse for you to be making new friends that night. Especially, like, if you're going to, like, a... If you're going to a work colleague's birthday party and all of his other friends are there, you stick with the work colleagues and you talk shop for one and a half hours or until the birthday person is drunk enough that they won't remember whether or not you said goodbye to them. That's the, that's the goal. You need to be present enough that maybe you get in the co- caught in the back of some photos... You need to have one interaction with the person whose party it is so they remember that you were there. And then you need to wait until either a... <clears throat> until either a, a, a significant amount enough of time has passed that, that you've paid your dues or until... You don't even have to wait until they're drunk. You just need to know that things are heading in that direction. That it, when all is said and done, the, the, the party host will not recall who was there at what point. As soon as it's very clear, they don't even know what time it is. You get out. You get out immediately. I'm just, I've never, I've never been good at mingling. I know as many people as I need to know. Unless there are some TV executives or some comedians more talented than me there, and let's be honest, both of them small pools, I don't need to make any new friends. I barely treat the ones I have well enough. I am at risk of losing existing friends every day based on how little I commit to our friendship because whenever I'm talking to them, I'm like, oh, you haven't edited any comedy videos this week, Tom. Tom, if you don't record another podcast, if you don't find something in the half-hour rambling that you just recorded that's going to go viral, you're going to be stuck around these people forever. You're never going to be around Hollywood's rich and famous. They're never going to accept you unless you can find a way to go, go, go viral on Instagram and or TikTok. Anyway. The dream is, not even the dream, the hope, the hope is that I'm so disparaging about having to go to this party that uh, the reality of it could never live up to how bad I think it's going to be. And you know what? I don't think it's going to be that bad. I just think it's like, ugh. Who has time for parties? Who enjoys parties? A party is just an excuse to get fucked up. You, the, the people that I know that enjoy parties, do you enjoy parties or do you enjoy cocaine? 
do you enjoy large gatherings of people that you don't know? Or do you enjoy the fact that 95% of the people around you don't know whether you're always like this or you're just coked out of your brain? And I'm not saying either is right or wrong. I'm just saying let's let's be honest with ourselves. Which is it? Now that I now that I don't really I've kind of I've really eased back on drinking over the last like five years, which is a long time, a long time period for me to be talking about. But I went out for the State of Origin on Wednesday night and I woke up very hungover the next day. Like I didn't sleep, woke up with a big headache, felt like shit. And then I was like, how many drinks did I have last night? I counted them. Five. I had five drinks. I had five drinks and a chicken schnitzel. And an Aporto, an Aporto meal, not a meal, I had some tenders or whatever, over a five hour period. I had one drink per hour. According to the rule of thumb, I should still have been allowed to drive. And yet the next day, I, I was literally having the I'm never drinking again conversation. That's how piss weak I am now. Is that where the term piss weak comes from? Like piss alcohol week? I don't know. There were two phrases I wanted to look up. Piss week was one of them. What was the other phrase that I was planning on looking up? Um, something about a thread? Look, all, all the more reason to stick around to next week. So here, the next episode of Show Some Respect, Tom Wickham is talking to see... Uh, what the fuck up? Whatever I'm going on about. Anyway, no matter how bad this week is, I don't know how your week is going. Maybe you're having a tough week. It can't be much worse than the week that Latin pop sensation Ricky Martin is having. Because that that just came out today. Look, I'm already at 30 minutes. I was going to call it at 30 minutes today, but I can't not speak about this because this, this is getting less relevant every minute. All right, this isn't even coming out till Tuesday. By then, we will all have forgotten that Ricky Martin is facing half a century in prison for incest. What a bizarre situation. All right. I mean, first of all, Ricky Martin, to be fair, what is he providing to the outside world at this stage? We haven't heard anything really crack the charts since Livin' La Vida Loca. And maybe that's what that song was about this whole time. Because, I mean, having a seventh-month relationship with your nephew, truly, La Vida Loca, the crazy life. I mean, maybe he was trying... This was, that song was just a call for help all along. Living La Vida Loca, it actually translates to be far darker. It's much more of a comment on mental health in Latin countries. Okay, this is the thing. I so all right. I'm, I'm I read this. I read the article, and by article, of course, I mean uh, what every millennial means when they say I read the article, which is I glanced at a headline, and it said Ricky Martin faces fifty years in prison for incest. Uh, for incestuous relationship with nephew or something. And uh, I was like, okay, I'm listening. I might even uh, skim read a few paragraphs here. And I did. My first thought, though, when I read that headline was, 50 years for incest or for pedophilia? Because it seems strange to me that they're really narrowing in on the incest part, which is just kind of gross compared to the pedophilia, which I think is, is, is more the concern, one would think. And then you read through and you find out that his nephew is 21. And I was like, okay, how long ago did this happen? Earlier this year. All right, I'm confused. I'm out. Also, this is all taking place in, in Puerto Rico, where you've got to think the age of consent has got to be like, you know, after the quinceanera. 
would be my presumption. And no, he's he, the, the the nephew was like twenty or twenty one when this is happening, and then you find out he is the son of Ricky Martin's. Sorry, one moment. Was living La Vida Loca Enrique Iglesias? Follow up question: Are Enrique Iglesias and Ricky Martin different people, or is one just like their Latin name? You know how like the raconteurs are called the saboteurs in Australia because they just don't have the rights. Is that is Ricky Martin just called Enrique Iglesias in Latin America? Which one was Enrique Iglesias? Who who are these Latin gentlemen? And what separates them? This is, I'm sure, everyone's favorite part of the podcast, which is when I start. Now, Enrique Iglesias is a Spanish singer and songwriter. Okay, there we go. Not Latin. Ricky Martin, Puerto Rican. All right. So I was correct about Ricky Martin. Uh, Enrique Iglesias, discography. This is so annoying when you go to Wikipedia and they give you the discography and like, oh, look, here are these his 14 albums. And you're like, Wikipedia, come on. You know what I'm asking? I'm asking what three songs of his is he known for? It'll probably be in the... Oh, God. It should be It should be somewhere... This should be somewhere... You know in, in Wikipedia, in like the little sidebar, it's got the key dates and the key facts to know. It should... There should just be a part there. It's like, what What are they What are they known for? Like, why do, why do I care? Enrique Iglesias... All right, what if I do this? YouTube. Enrique Iglesias... So, I wonder how many of you know the answer. So, Hero. Hero is Enrique Iglesias. None of these other songs mean anything to me. Bayando has, what, 3.2 billion views. Fuck. This is the thing when you find out, like, you know, all of these, like, Spanish superstars, like, uh, I mean, like, Spanish-speaking, like, Shakira... Enrique Iglesias, whatever. Like, all of their Spanish songs are huge because there are a lot of people out there that speak Spanish. All right, Enrique Iglesias, let me just check out. I just want to make sure Living La Vida Loca is Ricky Martin. Okay, all right. That's all I needed to know. Whoever whoever has... Here's the question. Do the rights to that song become more or less valuable when Ricky Martin is in prison? Because i got to think there's a lot of, like, semi-edgy radio DJs who are playing that song right now. Hell, I'd be playing it. If, uh, if 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 I thought I wouldn't get, if I thought what what what's going to happen, Tom? You think someone's? You think Ricky Martin? You think Ricky Martin's legal team is zeroing in on your podcast right now? Is that what you think, Tom? You don't think Ricky Martin's legal team might have some more pressing issues? All right, my ego aside, Ricky Martin, fifty years, nephew, twenty years old. Ricky Martin's nephew is the son of his stepsister. Ricky Martin had a, a an affair with a 21-year-old guy who he has no blood relationship to and is facing 50 years in prison because apparently the Puerto Rican government... Uh, the Puerto Rican government agrees with the fast and furious definition of family. When it comes to incest, family is more of a concept. Concept? Oh my word! This this is almost enough. That 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 was almost enough for me to go back and edit this podcast. It's not, but it almost was. 
to the Puerto Rican government, family is a concept. Family is a principle. The, 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 the blood relationship is secondary. I just don't... Now, this only came out today, and I've done all of about five minutes of Googling about it. I could be wrong, but as far as I can tell, it's... This is... This is has... Okay. few things. Number one. Am I crazy for thinking 50 years in jail is too much for incest? Is that... Is that a problem that I have? It seems excessive. It seems excessive when the biggest crime is kind of just grossing us out. Do you know? I guess there's the thing about kids, but what if you do it with protection? What if it's all hand and mouth stuff? Is that okay? Because then no one's really in danger. Yes, it creeps us out, but if, if look, if we were going to give 50-year jail sentences to everyone who has sexual proclivities that gross me out. Look, there'd be no one walking the streets. All of your sex lives disgust me. I don't care if you're in a committed relationship, you've only had sex with one person and it's all missionary. It still is very off-putting from my perspective. Secondly, if I am right, and I really should have done more research before talking about this, let alone talking about it for, for close to 10 minutes, if it's his stepsister's stepsister, am I stepsister is like, Look at me pretending like I haven't spent a lot of time watching videos about stepsisters. Stepsister is no familial relationship. That's why they're allowed to occupy the entire front page of Uporn. Because technically, it's fine. His stepsister's son. He's 20. He's an adult. Now, apparently, he also like, threatened him and was violent. And Ricky Martin says this guy's lost his marbles and he's mentally unwell and etc etc who's to say i'm just trying to surely your step nephew is fair game surely your step nephew is on the table yes you're going to have some awkward family conversations here's the other thing it wasn't like he banged him a few times it was a seven month relationship and now the police are getting involved it's a it's a it's a dark day for Ricky Martin fans, of which you got to think it's it's been a lot of dark days. If you're still a Ricky Martin fan in 2022, I mean, you know, this has got to be a nail in the coffin type situation. I, I can't imagine it's been great times for the last 20 years, really. Oh, he, he was on the oh Ricky Martin was on the Voice, Aust- was he? Yeah, he was in the Voice Australia. Well, there you go. Maybe he deserves it. And with that, ladies and gentlemen. We bring to a close this uh, this episode. Again, I would like to apologise, which and I was going to say again because I don't think I apologised the first time. I'm sorry for missing out on last week. It was that was that was the first time I've I've missed out on one of these podcasts. And you know what? In the back of my mind, I'm like, you know, Tom, you're going to start doing this all the time now. You've already done it once. Not a big deal. I promise. I'm not going to do that. All right. I'm in it. I'm in it for the long haul. And with that, go to the go to the break now. It's been a pleasure yet again, guys. Uh, look, I've got a, I've, I, I probably should have brought this up. I've got a lot of interesting stuff coming up, I think. I'm going to release. I've got my Owl Festival show. That's coming out somewhere time in September. I'm going to try and bring that show to Newcastle, to Wollongong, to Brisbane in September. And I'm going to put it out for the world to see. I've got some merch coming. I've got some T-shirts. If you'd be interested in a T-shirt, shoot me a DM. I'll set one aside for you. 
I'm going to get a website. I'm getting new headshots. Guys, it's all happening. And when I say it's all happening, I'm thinking about a lot of it, and none of it has happened yet. But thank you for coming with me on the journey. Thank you for listening. Have a fantastic week. Justice for Ricky. See ya. <laughs>